I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. New season. New season. New season. It is Friday, which means it's time for the front three Premier League preview with me, Adam Bowen, Lawrence McKenna, new season, new season, uh, and David Bryan as well. Who will be the Gary Gold of the Premier League? That's what I will find out. That is the question on everyone's lips. Guys, we're going to be running through every single Premier League team, giving our predictions of where they're going to finish. Before that, though, comment of the week, as always, this week comes from Noel Alberto from the USA on the iTunes review, a five-star rating. He wow. said, yup. I'm the one who has been tweeting y'all about how long I've been following you. Seriously, you three have been brilliant from your days of football daily, which you got me subscribed to. Now I subscribe to you three here and recommend you to all my family and friends who follow football. Keep up the great work, lads. You're all top draw. Noel, thank you so much for your kind words. If you want to be coming of the week, get on iTunes, review and rate the podcast, and you could be that man. You could be that man or woman, you know, if you're out there. Or, you know, uh, whatever you want to be. Or whatever you want to be. Um, guys, let's crack on. There's only one place to start in our Premier League preview, and that's at the end. It's West Ham. We're going to work <laughs> our way we up We should probably table. explain that logic, is because we did that during the Euros. We went F to A. Everyone, everyone goes A to F. Everyone starts, you know, with Arsenal. We want to go backwards, you know. I think it's only fair. So let's start with West Ham. Um, now, Dave, I'm going to come to you on West Ham. It's an interesting time for them. Obviously, you predicted famously or infamously that Slavon Bilic would be the first manager sacked last season. It didn't happen. Uh, they put together a, a fantastic campaign. Uh, Dimitri Payet, of course, was one of the stars of the Premier League last season. Moving into the, the new stadium, of course, do you think they're going to be able to build on that and improve upon last season's finish, Dave? Well, you've got to admit sometimes that you're wrong, but I feel, yeah, West Ham will continue to improve. They've made some pretty decent signings in the window. I think is going to be one of the signings of the summer, you know, picking up on a free transfer. When I saw him last season for Valencia, he looked disinterested because he was gearing towards this move away. I didn't think he played from February onwards, but go back to like his World Cup form or go back to his form at Valencia previously to that. He's a top player, very tricky winger, a little bit different to Payet in a way. He's, he's more, you know, a bit more guile than Payet. Payet's more of a uh, end product type man. He'll get the ball, he'll cross or shoot, whereas um, Fagul is more of a, you know, get the ball down, work an opportunity or, you know, come inside or so forth. So it's going to be an exciting attack for West Ham. I also think Andy Carroll, 
could have a very, very good season. Looked very good in pre-season, scored a number of goals in there. Was awesome at the back end of last season as well, that hatching scored against Arsenal. When he's in the mood, he is a threat. You know, why did Liverpool pay £35 million for him? Because at one point he was very, very difficult to play against. And if he can keep fit, he could be the man that scores West Ham 15 uh, league goals this season. With all that attacking creative talent behind them, mm. can he get in the box? Can he score those goals? You know, West Ham have... Sacco looked like he was on the way. West Ham are sort of searching for another striker to play with Carroll. But I think Carroll this season could be his, his breakout West Ham season if he can stay fit. Andre Ayew as well, of course. West Ham had a record fee for him. There's some talk they're going to yeah, play that's exciting, isn't it? up top. Yeah, a very, a very good signing. Seems like an astute one. And they're playing him a bit deeper, apparently, which is interesting. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. And it also, if you like your fantasy team, he's listed oh, as a midfielder. He is indeed. Um, do you think there's going to be any sort of challenge, Lawrence, with them uh, adjusting to the new stadium? Or is that going to be a, a big plus? <laughs> oh, it's all a bit weird. Adjusting, I'm not sure we can play here. Well, yeah, you know, the, it's, it is a completely different situation for them. The, 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 big, the bigger capacity, the talk about, oh, you know, the pitch is too far away from the stands. Is there any sort of adjustment in a, in a new home like that? Or do you think, you know, replicating that atmosphere is going to be easy that they had at Upton Park? I think West, I mean, definitely not uh, replicating the Upton Park atmosphere because that was a very intense ground, very close fans, yeah. uh, quite an enclosed stadium, um, well, you know, more old-fashioned, and that's why they, they wanted to move. And I think for West Ham, this is more of a story for them of coming of age. They, you know, they want to paint it as a club that's always been waiting for this sort of opportunity. You know, West sort of feel um, that... You know, they won the World Cup and those sort of things, and that they they sort of waiting in the wings. Is it's an exciting time for them, it has to be said. Um, I'm looking yeah, forward to. I seeing think it. the players, the players feel the same. Yeah. Um, as does Billich. I think Billich, you know, is incredibly proud to be at West Ham. Um, and, you know, I, don't, I, I think Dave's prediction is also one that's quite interesting. Now it's going to be interesting to see. I think Dave said this. You know, when when it's properly Slavan Billich's system, mm. then what's going to happen? And you know, obviously he's had a, a summer now to shape the squad a little bit more. So let's see. Finished seventh last season. I have predicted seventh again this year. Um, Dave, are you going for a, a similar position? I can say that again. I think this factor will come in, but Lawrence mentioned the Sam Allardyce factor, or the Sam Allardyce effect, or the David Moyes effect. You know, Roberto Martinez at Everton. Um, I feel it'll be the same type of thing now, where defensively the first season there's a lot of structure that was from the previous manager. Whether Billich is um, a, a good defensive coach. I'm not too sure. I think attacking-wise, he's got it down to a T. Players play with such freedom. They've got so, so much gusto going forward. So I feel West Ham will continue that goal-scoring form, but maybe defensively they're going to leak a few more goals. So for me, I'm going to drop them down three places. I'm going to think, I think they're about 10th. Wow. That is, that is a lot low. I mean, the difference is here that a few years ago, maybe in the Premier League, West Ham might have struggled as a side because, uh, you know, other sides were more shut down and, you know, they, they expected teams to attack and just sort of press back. I think there's going to be a lot of sides this season who are a lot more open again. Um, so let's see how that plays out. Uh, have you got a prediction for a finish, Lawrence? No, nah, not really. All right, moving on to West Brom. Um, not the most exciting team last season, it had to be said. There is some, there is some discontent there, I'd say, with Tony Pulis. Looks like Seda Berahino could be moving on, Lawrence. Yep. Uh, if if they miss that sort of player, if they don't replace him, do you feel like they're going to be in trouble? I've got them finishing pretty low this season. Where's pretty low? I've gone for 16th. So just staying up as yeah, I think it's Yeah, I think it's going to be a battle down there between a few teams and West Brom are definitely going to be in the mix. Um, yeah, I mean, 
the, the problem is that uh, a side like West Ham uh, for, were for many years a yo-yo club and now they're very much changing that into trying to stay in the Premier League consistently. Over the past few seasons, I think uh, in the league, where did, where did they finish? They finished uh, 14th last year. 14th, I think yeah. they did better the year before, actually. Um, I think they finished slightly higher up the table, at least. And I just wonder if this year, you're right, 15th is maybe closer to where they're going to be, mainly because sides, especially when they don't change too much in the summer, tend to, I'm trying to think of the word, stagnate. Yeah, it's it's interesting one in that they've, they've uh, there's been a deal agreed for them to sell the, uh, the club to a, a Chinese investment group. I mean, it could bring instability, Dave. It could bring, you know, new funds could bring new ambitions for the club but the feeling is at least for me that you know they're not going to do much to excite this season again yeah I think that's going to be a bit of an issue you know look at the goals conceded that last season they were pretty decent only conceded 48 Premier League goals so that was only backed by Manchester City Southampton Leicester Arsenal uh, Man United and Spurs so that's a pretty good club to be in you're in, you're in you know, the top half club there but you go to goals scored, only Aston Villa scored fewer goals than in the Premier League last season. 34 league goals in 38 games is pretty rubbish. That's less than a goal a game. That is pretty boring. I think that's where the, the discontent from fans has come from. But it's a Tony Pulis side. Tony Pulis needs to get a forward that's going to score goals. Christian Benteke has been heavily linked. They sign him, I think they'll be fine. But you've got the likes of, you know, they've got the defence that's so solid. Johnny Evans has been brilliant since... Uh, joining West Brom, Darren Fletcher looks like the old Darren Fletcher, really running the show, being aggressive in midfield. They're hard, they're hard to beat, very much like any pure side. They're very, very hard to beat. So I think that they're going to be about the same. I think 15th. I think they'll get over that 50 points mark, as always. But it'll be another season where fans will start to turn on Tony Pulis. Next up, Watford. Walter Matsari, obviously, in. You'd imagine they're going to be relying again on Troy Deeney, on Igalo for the goals. But... Do you feel the new manager, Dave, he's going to bring in any tactical changes which are going to help them build upon at least what Sanchez Flores was doing in the first half of last season before they slumped so badly in the second half? Yeah, I think definitely there's going to be some tactical change there. Matsari is a massive fan of the, the four, sorry, the three, four, three, playing with a back three, three very interchangeable forwards. You know, go back to the Napoli days, Hamzik, Levesi and Cavani. One of the most lethal front threes in world football when he was there. If he can get that out of Troy Deeney, Igalo, and I like, really like the signing they brought in from Granada, Isaac's success. When I saw Granada a few times last season, Isaac's success was, was just a standout player. Really good with the ball at his feet, very tricky, aggressive, get, was getting shots away. A very physical forward. And if they can get uh, those three players there, Deeney maybe sitting in the middle, Igalo on one side, Isaac's success the other. Could be a, quite a nice combination, but again, it's going to be defensively where they're going to have to adjust to this back three. We saw how Sevilla in the um, European Super Cup struggled a little bit defensively with the back three. Going forward, you could already see the advantage of playing a back three in terms of the angles and the passing that they were getting down. But defensively, they were getting stretched. And if how I kind of see the Premier League, that it's going to transition to teams playing with a, a 4-5-1 or a 4-3-3... Playing the back three is going to be very dangerous because those wide forwards um, in the 4-3-3 are going to stretch a back three. Sevilla had a problem doing that and they've got a very, very good coach, Sam Paulo, who's very comfortable at that. So it's going to be a big, big test for the new Watford boss to get that across to the players. Maybe you won't even start doing that. We've seen Conte's gone away from the three at the back. So I feel like it's going to be a test at the start. But if they can nail that, they'll have a very exciting counter-attacking side. They have also lost a vast number of well, I think they've lost. Tw- I think it was twelve players they've uh, lost there. Right. And I mean, uh, oh, sorry, half. To- they've lost half a dozen of those. Um, so they've lost quite a few players. 
um, six players overall leaving and then another six sort of uh, looking to leave. And I just wonder the rotation within the Watford team and how they've looked to build this squad, how they've done it in the right way. I know they've kept certain players and that's important, but have they added the right players? And Dave's saying yes to maybe one or two, but I, I don't know if they've added enough. Dave, what's your prediction for the finish for Watford? See, I think they're going to struggle a little bit at the start. I feel like, you know, the new style of football is going to take a little bit of time to get adjusted to. So I've gone with 16th. I think that it's going to be a sort of a very tough second season for Watford, but I feel they've just got enough to stay up with the likes of Troy Deeney. Agarlo as well, his goals dried up towards the end of last season, scored the majority of his goals in the first half of the season. Um, and then Deeney became the main man. I feel like Deeney will be the main man again, playing as... Um, Maybe a little bit as a false nine in a way, like coming towards the ball, holding it up and letting Isaac success and letting Igalo run in behind him. But I think it's going to be an exciting season for Watford. But I think they will concede a lot of goals and maybe score a lot of goals. So again, another sort of West Ham team where it could be very, very different. But I feel we're going to go with 16. Going for 17. How many, how many times do you think uh, that we'll have great success? Uh. I didn't hear that question, sorry. It broke up halfway through. So. Oh, how many, how many times a season do you think we're going to hear uh, that the Borat thing of great success? Loads, Lawrence, loads. Because <laughs> Isaac yeah. is going to bag some goals. Great. I like it. Uh, okay, Spurs. Yeah, Adam, talk to us. Um, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one to evaluate. I think Spurs are going to have pretty much the exact same starting 11 from last season. Um, which I don't think many teams uh, can be said for many teams. I think we've added well in areas that we need to in terms of Victor Wanyama. That was a good deal, 11 million. Uh, needed cover for, for midfield, for the likes of Eric Dyer. Uh, Vincent Janssen is you know, much needed backup for Harry Kane. He was our only senior striker last season. I feel that we're lacking... The thing with Spurs and the thing with last season, we were lacking game changes off the bench. E- even though our starting 11 was fantastic and I think Mauricio Pochettino has really done an incredible job to fit all these players into into such an effective system you know moving Eric Dyer into the midfield uh, getting the best out of Moussa Dembele you know slotting in Deli Alley behind Harry Kane it all worked so perfectly but players like Hume Min Son Nasser Chudley they're good players but when they came on they didn't they, they, they didn't necessarily have the impact to turn around the game so I feel like we're missing that that piece essentially. It's difficult for Spurs because you know we've obviously got a restricted budget with the the, the finance and the new stadium. So there's players like Nkudu we're going for about 11 million. He's got that pace that I think Pochettino is looking for to potentially try and change a game coming off the bench. Mm. That doesn't look like he's going to go through. He's been in London for about three weeks. He's had a medical uh, and nothing's happened since then. Look like Spurs hasn't your head be- hasn't your head scout also quit? Or yes, that's the one. That's a war- one worrying sign, you know, that sort of discontent that, you know, the, the headline in The Guardian was that, you know, Mitchell's dream job turned into a nightmare, essentially, I think. That's quite quite dramatic. Yeah, it? it seemed like he had some differences with Levy, this sort of incudi situation where Spurs are refusing to pay, I think, you know, it's 11 million the fee, it's not uh, the biggest fee in football, <laughs> but but they're refusing to pay it up front. They, they want to do it in certain instalments over time, which you know, the Marseille's not happy with. It's those sorts of situations where it seems like that's when the, the Paul Mitchell's left. And Pochettino has spoken of his disappointment about that. And Mitchell was reportedly the guy who identified um, Vincent Janssen as the man to bring in. At the same time, 
Pochettino is making all the right noises in terms of, you know, he said he was the, he's the only manager to give a pre-season uh, rollicking before uh, it all oh. kicks off. Because about the Newcastle game, he sort of said there wasn't the time to really digest stance or speak about it at the end of the season. But he's spoken to players by it. He said they're all, he was worried that they'd need a lift after the end of that season, after disappointing Euros for the likes of Hugo Lloris for France and obviously all the England players. He says they're in good condition, they're in good spirits. And I think that's the thing with Spurs. I mean, we famously, infamously, Lawrence talks about mentality. I felt like at the time it wasn't their main problem. The main problem for me at Spurs was strategically, they never had the right manager, they never made the right signings. That was something that was holding them back. I feel like now we've got Pochettino, who's fantastic. We've got a fantastic squad, a fantastic starting eleven. You look at last season, especially towards the end, I mean, I think Spurs lost 20 points from winning positions last season. Only Chelsea, who <laughs> had a complete implosion, managed to lose more. So if we can sort of eradicate that sort of problem... If we can not implode this yeah. season, that would be great. At the same time, you know, Pochettino said himself, and I think a lot of fans felt that way, although... It was so disappointing that Chelsea game last season was such a blow to see Spurs actually put some fight into a game and not uh, wilt in one way was encouraging for us. And I think, <laughs> yeah, but that was, wasn't that the wilting? But they wilted in a different way, which is nice, but they did wilt. Yeah, but they, you know what I mean? They, they lost a real crunch game and how they reacted to that was good. Maybe, yeah. that, will, maybe <laughs> that will come back to That's the silver lining I'm season. taking from it. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Back. I feel, I feel like if it was a crunch game, I feel Le- uh, Leicester, it looked like they were always going to run away in the end with the league. And, you know, Spurs were in with an outside chance. And I think uh, Leicester, uh, Leicester knew that and uh, so did um, Spurs. And I think mm. instead of losing it in that sense, I, I do think you're right, but I don't think they lost it in the sense that everyone feel you know, like Liverpool did a few seasons before that. Yeah. I've, like I said, the signs are good. I feel like we can only improve... Um, it's so hard to judge, but I have gone for third place. I know it seems a little bit, um, it seems a little bit ambitious, but looking at Arsenal at the moment, I feel they haven't strengthened enough. We'll come on to them, of course. But for me, I'm going to, I think Spurs are finishing the top four and I've gone for third. You Spurs it. Dave, are you as optimistic as me or are you, uh, are you going to give us a different prediction? I think Spurs is a real difficult one. They've got one of the best triviums, as you call it, um, in, in the Premier League with Ericsson, Eric Dyer, sorry, Ericsson, Deli Alley, and Harry Kane. You know, all those players play a brilliant role in the Spurs system. Harry Kane obviously leading the line, being that sort of target man, but also dropping deeper, playing those through balls. Uh, a brilliant fall with 25 league goals last season, top scorer in the Premier League. Then you've got Deli Alley, who makes the opposite movement. If Kane comes to the ball, Deli uh, Alley runs the other way, which is perfect. That's what you want in football. That, um, maintains your uh, vertical um, power going forward. You know, Deli Alley was directly involved in 19 goals last season in the Premier League. That's the best record for any player under 21 in Europe's top five leagues. And then, of course, the main man, Christian Eriksen. If Kane's um, dropping a little deeper, uh, Ali's running in behind, that space opens up for Christian Eriksen. And that's why I love this first system so much. It was so fluid and so good on the counter-attack. 13 assists for Christian Eriksen in the league last season. Probably one of my favourite midfielders to watch. So good on the ball. The consistency was always the issue at Ajax. And I feel like now he's finally maturing. He's becoming a top, top player for Spurs. So, but given that, I just can't see them. Just because of the strength of the league, I can't see a repeat performance of, of being in the top four. I've got Spurs in fifth position, Adam. I apologize. I'll forgive that. I think it's going to be tight. Um, Lawrence, do you think they can finish in the top four? Ninth. 
Ninth. Ninth and nothing, nothing above, Adam. <laughs> nothing Sorry. more, nothing less. Yeah, we all know. Well, all I'm going to say every time that we say where are they going to finish in the table hmm. is Leicester City. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping. I'm, I've got my fingers crossed. You upset? Um, no, I'm also, upset, the balance maybe. of football this season, that's going to be a tricky one for Spurs, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think, you know, Pochettino said we need to make two more signings. If we make those signings, and depending on who they are, um, obviously that influences it. But hopefully for now, I'm going for top four finish. Third place, Swansea City. Now, I've, I feel a little bit worried about Swansea. I've got them to go down, guys. They've just sold their club captain, Ashley Williams, uh, to Everton. They brought in Leroy Fur, who's a decent player. But I just feel like, you know... They're sleepwalking towards relegation. I feel that personally. They don't. They haven't made the moves in the market. Hasn't Leroy Fur been relegated at every single club, every single permanent club he's played for? Whenever I see him, I'm like, he looks, he looks decent. I'm always like, yeah, QPR, good. Norwich. It's all his challenge, that lad. That's what I'm telling you. They're going down. They're going down. Um, I think they're going to finish 18th. Dave, is there anything uh, to cheer up Swansea fans? I think so. I think that the manager that's coming from Italy is finally getting his, his sort of style of play across. You know, very. Um, maybe a little bit more direct than they played previously, but they've, they've made some good signings for me. I like, you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson is there already. He's going to be the focal point. Yeah, yeah, since the new manager came in, he was the, the goal scorer of the team. What they've done is they've brought two strikers in. With, they've replaced Gomez. He's gone back to France. Good. But they've got Fernando Llorente. I am a big Fernando Llorente fan from his days at Athletic Bilbao. So, so good as a target man. So physical. That Bilbao, the Bielsa Bilbao, Bilbao team, Worked because Lorente was so good at holding those direct balls forward, bringing other players into play, which just means that Gilsby Sigurdsson has a man to run off, which would be perfect. Or if they want to go the other way, they've just bought um, Bohan uh, Baston uh, from uh, Athletic uh, Atletico Madrid for a record fee. You know, the lad last season played for Ibar and scored 18 league goals. That is decent. Ibar was rubbish last year. He was the shining light there. He's a good player. I was pretty surprised that Atletico let him go. You know, they've got um, Fernando Torres uh, up top. Uh, Griezmann's obviously the main man there. But could have been interesting to see uh, Bohan Baston go back there. But I think he's a top, top signing again. But I'd sort of reiterate what you were saying before. I think it is a bit of a worry. They've lost the captain. £10 million for Ash Williams. Why let him go for £10 million? Mm. What's £10 million for a Premier League club? He's your captain. Don't let him go. Offer him everything. Offer him the world. What, what is Everton, though? Everton is a very interesting proposition but also a very dangerous proposition for me it would have been better for Ashley Williams to see out his career at Swansea and just become you know increase his legendary status there it was just a real weird really strange move for me uh, where do you think they're going to finish Dave? this one's another tough one um, just scrolling down my list you know that I've got them at 13th oh, feeling like struggle. I think those goals there I think the goals up front I feel those two strikers a big big variation in their styles of play Big variation in what you could do with those two strikers. Um, Guilford Sigurdsson's still there. I just feel that I think they're going to be one of those teams that's just going to slip a little bit under the radar, but they'll they'll do okay. Do you think they're going to be? Surely they're going to be in the in the in the relegation dogfight, though, Lawrence. I, I think they'll probably finish just above that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, essentially, what we're looking for is for them to. Um, bed those players in quickly that have signed and I think that that is what's going to be key the culture at Swansea has been that they've always been allowed to do that but there are a lot of signs that would go counter to what is normally successful in the Premier League however you know again after recent seasons uh, you, you wouldn't put it beyond them my only worry with them is they look like now quite a lightweight side um, and I think they're 
for that reason, I worry that they'd lose too many games yeah. because there's gonna, they're going to get bullied by other sides. I think other teams are much more physical in the Premier League now. I, I am excited to see Fernando Renzi, someone who's been linked to a move to the Premier League for absolutely ages. So it'd be interesting yeah, I mean, Liverpool can were, cut it. Yeah. Uh, linked with him years ago when he was, really, when he was at the, the top, top of his game. Uh, let's move on to Sunderland, of course. Um, disappointment of losing Sam Allardyce to the free lines. They've brought in David Or the elation. Or the elation. I, yeah. I, I, surely, I, if I was a Sunderland fan, I'd be disappointed. You know, they managed to keep them safe last season. Um, for then him to move on straight away is not ideal. But David Moyes coming in, who let's not forget, obviously the Manchester, obviously Manchester United manager. He's got pedigree. But obviously the Manchester United job hurt his reputation. Obviously the Real Sociedad situation did as well. It feels like this this fits though, Lawrence, for me. I think David Moyes is a good manager. It, it's I feel like some people now they overlook the job he did at Everton. He's obviously going to be able to prove himself. Do you think he's going to be able to do that at Sunderland? Do you think he's going to be given the resources, the signings to do so? Or do you think he's going to struggle? I think David Moyes is probably the right kind of figure at a club like Sunderland because of what he represents. I think most people sort of um, see Sunderland as a sleeping giant as well, like they did with Everton uh, at one point. And I think he's clearly got the, the, the managerial nous to be able to take on a number of different coaches. But I, what I wonder is, and I, that's my issue is I haven't seen Sunderland in preseason, but it seemed a lot like Moyes was a fish out of water as soon as he left Everton because his methods were so embedded within the club. And that was very much just before the introduction of this more intense football in the Premier League. And I think he really struggled in that when he went to Manchester United. And I just wonder how well his Sunderland side is going to be able to cope with the intensity of the Premier League. This last season, they really struggled to cope against quite, you know, so many teams. Hence, why they finished seventeenth. Yeah, you know, with with David Moyes there, Dave, they they're going to continue to be hard to beat in a way. But what have you made of their signing so far? They've got Papi G. I can't say his name. Boji from Chelsea. Obviously, got Paddy McNair and the Donald Love from Manchester United. Yanazai on the way as well, apparently. Uh, surprisingly, yeah. it's quite no. The, the United know, thing was confirmed today, and um, for me, that's that's an excellent move for David Moyes and for Sunderland. You know, Yanazai is a player of such talent, a player that has everything to be a top top class footballer. He's got great body balance, which is one of those things that is up there with you know Lionel Messi, Kaká, that type of body balance, or you know, or Gaia, whatever you want to call it. He can shoot off both feet, he can pass, he can cross, he can beat a man. The only issue that his, pro- you know, his problem has been, his attitude has been stinking. Really terrible attitude. Thomas Tufel said it. It was blatantly obvious. Louis, Louis van Gaal didn't like his attitude. Apparently as well, the camp, he's not the, the smartest fella. You know, when he was given certain tactical instructions, he wasn't following them. That is an issue for a player. If you want to be the best player in the world, you need to be able to do that. But what Yanazai was under David Moyes was a breath of fresh air for that Man United team. Was given the freedom, looked so good. He was a player, you know, I think he was 18 or 19 years old at that point, and he was, you know, pulling the side out of a really shit slump. So I think he's the, he's the perfect man for David Moyes and for, Ever- and for Sunderland, feeling given that flair on the, the counter attack. And I, I really hope Yanazan makes it, but I hope it's time for him now to step up. He started last season very, very well. That brilliant goal he scored against Aston Villa, that highlights his talent. His issue was his application. Mm. And you need both of them, unfortunately, as a footballer. Other people that I, I think you know is quite good for Sunderland. You know, uh, Moyes spoke about playing Jack Rodwell at centre back again. Jack Rodwell looked really, really good under David Moyes at Everton. I'm hoping that he can 
pull his career back from uh, a bad, bad the brink. brink. <laughs> from the brink. The brink is the brink. There's a lot of these players at Sunderland right now that are at the brink or were at the brink. Jermaine Defoe was at the brink. Yanis Eye's at the brink. Rodwell's at the brink, which is positive for Sunderland. That's good to create a unit. Kazari, I'm a big fan of Kazari from his days at Bordeaux. Very good um, from set pieces. David Moyes loves someone from set pieces. So that could work out quite nicely. So I quite like this Sunderland team. I feel that they potentially might lack a big striker. Fellaini, uh, Dave? Fellaini would be a good option, but I think Fellaini's going to play for Manchester United next season. I think Mourinho sees uh, an option in there tactically, and I do agree with that, but not every That's my only thing with Fellaini. He can't be a go-to man. He needs to be an option from the bench or in the bigger games. Um, but again, going back to David Moyes, he has struggled with strikers before in his career. Sometimes he's found it very difficult for, to get strikers to score goals. Unfortunately, he's fallen in um, Sunderland, where Jermaine Defoe scored 15 Premier League goals last season, a lot coming in 2016. I think only Aguero scored more in that period in the Premier League. So I feel like potentially, hopefully, he can get that down. But he, he does prefer a more target man to that striker or a target man at number 10. So. Sunderland, I think they're going to be all right. I think I've got them down at 14th. I think they're going to be fine for relegation, but um, it will be a situation where they might struggle at the start, but they'll get to, they'll hit some flow. David Boyes, remember his Everton team? Everyone remembers his United team. His Everton team was so good against big teams. They were so good at upping the Everton tempo team against... Team, though, Dave, because there were, he had a lot of iterations that Everton team. Yeah, Thomas Graveson. They? they always turned up in those bigger games. They always were very, very good at pressing from the offset and setting the tempo. You know, the likes of um, uh, Liam Osman pressing from the front. Players you mentioned, Graveson, Stephen Pina. You know, a lot of talent there. And... I hope for David Moyes, I feel like we ruined him a little bit at Manchester United. I hope he does get back onto the management track and gets back to what he was doing before, winning football games and, uh, and having a, a very nice team that worked together. I love a nice team. I have gone for 13th for Sunderland. I think that's... Uh, I think, you know, Moisey. Moisey's going to be back. He's back. Um, Stoke City next, obviously finishing yeah. ninth. Uh, three seasons in a row. Are they going to be able to improve upon that this year, Lawrence? You know what I thought about Stoke last season uh, was that they were a side who they only lost one more game than they won. They, they won 14 games in the Premier League last year and finished ninth for the third season in a row. Now, if we were talking about stagnation with West Brom, then they've looked to change it up here in Stoke and add a few more players such as Joe Allen into this side. I think they've tried to add into that formula, but the worry is that it could also go the other way for Stoke and that they've built a side with so many different parts and so many different bits that it almost doesn't make much sense anymore. And I I do worry a little bit that Stoke are sort of going down the Mark Hughes route of uh, possibly uh, losing a couple of games, losing a manager like Mark Hughes, and then... um, ultimately sacking him and then not having anyone who can come in and bring all these parts together. It's a very Mark Hughes side. And I think he's going to be quite key to getting good results from this season. I'm really excited to see what Joe Allen does there. I think, you know, a lot of people um, are very, uh, very excited to see him because, you know, Liverpool uh, fans appreciated what he did at their club at the time. And they actually did think that he stepped up uh, quite often, despite most people calling that boring. Um, And they've, Obviously, Afalai is not there anymore, which is a little bit disappointing. I think a lot of people are looking forward to seeing what would happen with him, uh, whether he'd explode or so go further down. So there are some interesting factors, uh, mm. attacking-wise, and you know they've got the good old uh, stalwarts of that Stoke team, the Peter Crouches, the uh, Walters, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but I think that that line's going to be led by Arnautovic. Um, that's yeah, him yeah, signing that, a new contracts a good yeah a good signing in itself. Obviously, Very Joe positive. Allen, as you said, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Jack Butland back after his injury, Dave, as well. Do you think uh, there's talk that they're in the in the race to sign Berahino? Um, do you think that's going to add the extra firepower that might elevate elevate them uh, to a higher position than ninth or lower? Um, again, yeah, Lawrence summed up perfectly. It's a very strange team. There's a lot of strange cogs in there, and it is up to Mark Hughes to mm. link them all together. You know, I don't know why. I need to watch some more Gamers Pedersen highlights. Um, just because we were talking about with my botmate about how um, nice, and we watched this highlight reel, and he scores some great goals. He's like a type of player that just like hits it too hard unnecessarily. Go and go and jump onto YouTube and, and just go through his, his goals. It's brilliant. But that's a very Mark Hughes type player. A player that, that's like that wouldn't fit anywhere else, but it fit for Mark Hughes. And someone like Anatovic signing a deal is brilliant. I imagine he tried to get a move in the summer, but it didn't materialise. So I thought, why not stay at Stoke? You know, 11 Premier League goals last season, Stoke's top scorer. I think that was the issue with Stoke is that they didn't, their goals dried up with Anatovic and it dried up for the whole side. So Berahino, if they can get Berahino, I'd say that they do better than what they were doing. But I think with the Berahino thing, is it West Brom are just holding him? They're like choking him out of life. And if Berahino moved, I feel that Stoke would potentially hit higher up the league, but I can't see it going through. And that's why I've kind of gone with 12th position. I feel they might drop down what happened last season. They do have the hipster's dream in midfield with Abdullah and Joe Allen. I can't wait to see that. I love Abdullah. I talked about him a lot before. Still think he is a top, top player and with another good season could have a move to a better club. But Joe Allen and Abdullah is going to be great. They were passing very calm midfielder and Joe Allen and then Abdullah that sort of potentially will play the popper role for, for Stoke in a way, linking the midfield and attack and pressing and, and doing all sorts. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited to watch Stoke. And I do hope that Bojan has another very good year. No player that very low confidence in his career early doors and uh, it's starting to look at home and so which is nice I think the Pogba uh, role uh, yeah I've gone for 10th I think they, they, they won't keep on 9th but not quite as low as you Dave what about Southampton another interesting cycle in a way for them once again the manager leaving uh, a crop of key players leaving they've brought in an experienced manager Dave they've brought in some good signings Nathan Redmond Pierre-Emile Huichberg I believe it's pronounced uh, from Bayern Munich. So do you think they can they can pull off a similar trick again, if you would? Do you think they can have another strong season? Yeah, I think, they, I think um, getting Claude Paul in from, from Nice, uh, massively overachieving for Nice, who won the French League before. Um, a very good manager, a manager that likes to play uh, four at the back, three in midfield, and then one attacking midfielder behind two strikers. Uh, Paul's spoke about Nathan Redmond. Nathan Redmond's a really interesting player. When I watched him at Birmingham City, he was always really good playing as a striker or playing as like an attacking midfielder. And apparently that's what um, is going to be done. He's going to be playing in a striker position. So maybe Shane Long and Nathan Redmond up front with one man behind who's going to be the key to everything here. And that's, that's Tardish. who had a pretty decent season last season, 12 assists, only better by Ericsson and Meza Ozil. So... Again, it's, it's going to be so interesting. Hoijberg is a fantastic signing. One of the best young midfielders in world football for me. Um, a bit of a silly move. I reckon he probably should have moved in a permanent deal last season, not going on loan to Schalke. Didn't really cement his, his uh, position in that team. Augsburg, who's brilliant. The second half of the season, so going back two years in the Bundesliga, second half of that campaign, He's got a great cannon of a, I think it's his right foot that he can crack it in from range, but an all-round top midfielder, a very Bayern Munich uh, Munich-esque midfielder, you know, the complete package. So he's going to be very impressive. It's going to be interesting to see whether James Ward-Prowse finally steps up, whether Harrison Reed continues his good form. Mm. Jordi Classy, who was brought in with great potential, but with Southampton, it's all about the model. I've spoke about the model so many times, I wish... Yeah. Uh, any club in world football should adopt the Southampton model, but I feel it's there. They've got one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League in um, Virgil van Dijk, 
They've still got what Brian Bertram back. They've, they've got Fraser Forster. You know, they're, they're still a really good team. It's so interesting. Every season they lose, they keep they use a key man in quotation marks. But they've got this scouting system. They just laugh it off. They're like, oh yeah, we, we saw that coming two years ago. Yeah, good one, lads. We're just, <laughs> we're just going to pull a lad in from the academy who's going to be absolutely boss. So yeah, cool. See you. Uh, see you in seventh position anyway, lads. Above Everton. <laughs> You're going for seventh. Seventh position. I, I feel that this is it's going to come together with Salah. I feel they're going to be really good on the counter attack with a lot of pace. I went for 11th. Ah, wow. I just felt that there were other teams who might be stronger above them. Um, but I respect what you're saying, Dave. I mean, Lawrence, are you going for... Do you think you're going to finish the bottom half of a, the top half, essentially? I'm going to go 7-11. Okay. I'll go 9. Yeah, nice. Right bang in the middle. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. Uh, what about Middlesbrough? Fantastic season last season. Um, can they stay in the Premier League? The wheels Which, almost fell off with Karanko, didn't they? There they was a did. point that where was it looked the, pretty. It was but then he came little... back. Mm. No, they went Signed on. Signed up to Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and that was critical. <laughs> that was critical. Um, and, uh, and it was at that point that I thought, uh, he gets it now. He's going to just tweet all his tactics. Um, <laughs> I, uh, with, with Middlesbrough, it's incredibly exciting because they're signing all these um, players. It, it, there's a couple of... Uh, the well, business looks good on the surface, I'd say. It looks good on the yeah, surface. Yeah, exactly. And there's a, there's a couple of guys out there that you think, you know what, if, if, if mm. they, they find the form that we know they, they've embodied in the past, then that's, yes. that's going to be great. But it's a bit, there's, there's sort of shades of like that Ravinelli, sort of Janino-esque Middlesbrough that we remember from, God, how long ago was that now in the Premier League? Like 15, no, 20? Like, maybe, yeah. God, God, maybe the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a while ago now, but there's shades of that in that they've brought these big names in to complement some of the guys who have brought them up, um, and it's it's critical that those names um, perform in the Premier League. Um, uh, you know, Middlesbrough is a great club um, and a, a great city, and I just I, I think a lot of people enjoy going there, and I just wonder have they signed the right players to enjoy the Middlesbrough experience and and, and embrace that? Yeah, what do you reckon, Dave? Because I mean, Victor Fisher's there, football manager favourite, experience in the greater, experience in Valdez. And compared to the teams around them, it feels like those sort of signings, that sort of injection could see them finish. I've put them 15th. You said I think they've got, you know, mentioned before, Caranca, a fantastic boss, a Mourinho disciple. Again, remember we went back to the disciples of Bobby Robson and so forth. Uh, Karanka fits under that, which is, I love that. I love that, that he's still there. Um, looking at some key players there, Adam Clayton is going to be massive for them um, in central midfield, ex-Leeds United, um, completed more passes than any other player in the championship last season, so he's going to get a lot of ball. Defensively is where they're going to be very strong, 21 clean sheets in the championship. But I think up front is going to be a place where they're going to have to, not get lucky, but they're going to have to focus on one of the men, whether it's Negredo or I think it's going to be Jordan Rose. If you were wanting to call someone the Gary Goals of the Football League in the last what, nine seasons, eight seasons, it would be Jordan Rhodes. You know, going to go through his goals um, from 2009-2010. So that was in League One, Fuddersfield, 23 goals. Next season, 22 goals. Next season, 40 goals. Next season, 30 goals. 25, 21. Uh, and then 17 last season when it was an injury hit campaign and he was moving so he didn't play as much football. But if you get anyone I'm coming at, the guy knows how to find, put the ball in the back of the net. And I feel the step up to the Premier League for Jordan Rose is going to be an easy one. But Karanka needs to decide, is it the Grado or is it Rose? Because he likes playing one up front. And I feel like he's got to go with one, not both. Manchester United, Dave. 
Mourinho's in. The whole new spine of the team's in. Paul Pogba's there. The world record transfer, of course. Everyone is expecting a top four finish. Everyone is expecting a title challenge. How do you see them get on? I've gone for second. I think it's it's their season. I feel that this is they've done some absolutely fantastic business. You think about Europe's top five leagues. In Liga, the best player was Latan Ibrahimovic, plays for Manchester United now. The best player in Serie A last season uh, for me was either Gonzalo Higuain up front or Paul Pogba. Who does Paul Pogba play for now? Manchester United. Then you go over to the Bundesliga, best player there, Lewandowski, Abemian. Best midfielder, Mick Tyrion. Who does Mick Tyrion now play for? Manchester United. And I feel that's something that's going to take some time to blend, but the question still remains. It's Wayne Rooney. He's, the, he's been a struggle for David Boyd. It was a struggle for the last season of Alex Ferguson. And he's going to be a struggle. It was a struggle for Louis van Gaal. And he's going to be a struggle for Mourinho. He needs to be dropped. Can't say it more. Sorry, it's time for Wayne to be moved on. It's time for Wayne to be pushed back into a backseat. We saw in the... Um, the community shield that Rooney and Zlatan were getting in each other's way and that's a big issue tactically because you need the you know if I was talking before about Harry Kane and um, Deli Alli like the perfect relationship where one drops one runs one drops one runs that's complete opposite with Zlatan and Rooney both make the same movement similar to when Ron Van Persie came to Manchester United and it took that partnership a long time to get going and eventually at the end of the season Wayne Rooney's dropping deeper playing that ball over the top against Aston Villa for Van Persie to smash him one of the best goals in Premier League history but that took time I feel that Rooney's just got to be pushed out the side I feel like a move to a 4-5-1 4-3-3 it's got to happen to get the best out of one man that's Paul Pogba but I also don't mind them playing a 4-2-3-1 against weaker players you know getting another attacking midfielder in there playing Paul Pogba as this this link man this number 8 this man that, that can defend that can attack that can score goals that can get assists one man, though, that I feel is going to link everything and is crucial to this Manchester United team this season is Jess Lingard. I feel he's going to be the man that's going to link everything together. Donald works hard. He's starting to put influences in an attacking thing. He's scoring goals. But I feel he's the worker. He's the Oscar for Mourinho. He's the guy that's going to click everything together for this whole system. And if Mourinho, Mourinho I think, already knows that. You know, we saw them starting the the community shield I feel Jess Lingard has got a massive season I love that I love the player for Manchester United is doubting I doubted him a bit last season for his lightweightness on the ball but I want him to prove me wrong I want him to do the Darren Fletcher I want him to become um, you know a Man United stalwart you know a, a player like Skulls like Ryan Giggs like Gary Neville like Phil Neville like John O'Shea these players that are cogs but cogs within a really good system you always need your cogs we mentioned before all these world-class talent. You need players like Jess Lingard in there. You need Morgan Schneidlins. You need your Michael Carricks to make everything work. And I feel like Jess Lingard is that man. Wow. Jess Lingard. Jess Lingard. Um, I mean, we've all said it. He's good on football manager. I mean, there are those question marks, Lawrence. Uh, Dave brings up Wayne Rooney, of course, which uh, <laughs> is going to be fascinating to see how Rooney actually resolves that one. But I know they've made all these great signings that, that Dave talks about, but do you think overall the squad is strong enough to challenge who everyone perceives to be the, the favourites for the title, Manchester City, because you know they still have potentially issues in central midfield, certain positions in defence. Or do you think that that new spine with Mourinho there, he's going to elevate players who underperformed last season, like Memphis Depay, for example, like Morgan Schneidlin, and that's going to be the difference between you know uh, what was a very disappointing season for them last season, really, and now challenging for the title. I think that's the problem with the unpredictability of Mourinho. You don't know how he's going to gel with certain players. You know, everyone sort of thought, wow, wait until he gets him, his hands on matter. No, 
um, you know, waiting until he gets his hands into... Uh, in, he did in, get his hands on Matt and just what, subbed him off after five. Yeah, yeah, what about, what about <laughs> Falcao? He'll bring it? No. And, and so there are certain players, I think, that Mourinho needs and wants, and I imagine he will have identified those. He surely will have said uh, to United if he needed more players, um, and I doubt that they wouldn't have made that money available to him because you know they just spent a hundred million on Paul Pogba. Mm. I think he's looking to uh, rekindle what Manchester United remember of themselves and all the, the you know the, the massive club image them being the biggest club in the world, um, and I think he's going to play into that. I think for that reason he's hoping that a lot of the players will step up and come into that mould of that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sort of player. It's very similar, I think, to a lot of... Um, I, I see a lot of similarities between the way United are building their team and the way that a lot of NBA, NBA sides build theirs. Um, you know, Zlatan's that experienced... Um, veteran at this point who can give experience to the younger guys show them how to you know improve their technique show them how to um get closer to goal show them how to shoot all those kind of things Rooney's of a similar ilk and then they've got a few guys in there who are younger and can pick that up very easily I think it's a good balance to a squad um Mm. but the point is that Mourinho has to keep that balance there are times where Mourinho doesn't balance it well enough um so you, you could probably question it either way, but I think early on it will be, it'll be very harmonious. I think this season it will be harmonious. Come next season, like <laughs> season three, might it might not be the same because you know, we know the Mourinho cycle. Uh, I've gone for second, Dave. Which, what did you go for? Again, I, sorry, before I, I give a prediction of first position, I think you're not going to win the league. I forgot what man, that's Jeff Lingard. Not Jeff Lingard, sorry, Marcus Rashford. How's that for him? I don't know. But if you can get that Marcus Rashford playing with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that is a front two that has great balance. Either with whichever way you want to play it, whether it's Rashford off um, Zlatan and making the run from you know false number 10 forward, or whether you're playing Zlatan at 10 and Rashford ahead. I feel that could work against the smaller teams in a 4-2-3-1 with Pogba as a left central midfielder. Um, you know, you look at his chance conversion in the Premier League last season, it was around 53%. That was the best of any player. He exploded onto the scene. He exploded at the Euros when given the chance. And I feel like... He's just going to continue his development. He may not play every week, but he's, that, he doesn't matter. He's a young lad. He just needs to get that experience with Zlatan, you know, learn from Zlatan as much as he can. But I feel United, with the signings they've made, are going to win the league. Wow. Bold prediction. Um, let's come on to Manchester City then, who are their main rivals, one would assume. I'm super excited to see Pep Guardiola in 
the Premier League, Lawrence. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting Man City to be so much better this season. They were awful last year, really uh, clinging on to that Champions League spot with the last game of the season. Pep, I think everyone's expecting uh, it to be a very different story. They've made astute signings. John Stones, uh, <laughs> incredibly expensive. It's astute, isn't it? But in terms of, they've also brought in these young players as well. So we're looking at, you know, Leroy Sané. I know it's expensive for a 19-year-old. Um, Gabriel Jesus as well. Do you think they're going to... I mean, for me, they were going to win the title. I think Guardiola is going to elevate them so much that, you know, they will be champions. Do you, uh, are you on the same page? Or? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely on the same page. I think he's going to uh, take that team up to another level. I think he's probably going to take some time to get them there though I don't really think pre-season is an indicator of that because a lot of people talking about you know the loss to Arsenal those sort of things um, yeah I, th- I think when Pep is experimenting with players and players are coming back at different times because they're not up to Pep's standard of fitness um, I think it's about weeding out a couple of people that maybe uh, don't fit into that Pep Guardiola mould Mm. Although I think this is the first side that he's probably come into where they've not been as disciplined as the Munich or the Barcelona side that he inherited. Although Barcelona apparently didn't have the best of um, uh, disciplines, as uh, as I'm as I'm told, Ronaldo. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think for that reason, Pep has a, a blueprint that he can sort of imprint on this side, and I just think with all the signings that he made with that blueprint, you'd imagine these people have been earmarked quite some time and probably yeah. had an inkling or an idea that they want to move to Man City in the end. Um, things, I, I think it's about how we can upgrade those other players. You know, we saw Klopp uh, upgrade a number of players at Liverpool just through the mentality change and the, the coaching that they received. I think it's going to be similar at City when we see, you know, the likes of uh, Sterling, Silva, uh, that back line as well. Joe Hart... I think it's still mm. a questionable uh, aspect of that team. Um, and I'm excited to see whether he rises or falls at this point. I think it's going to be a rise to Joe Hart. I'm, I'm positive about him. And the same for Raheem Sterling. But defence is, uh, is a big question, Shaky. isn't it, Dave? Because mm-hmm. Nicholas Osamenti, Eli when Mangala, two of the most expensive defenders of all time, joined now by John Stones, of course. Obviously, very expensive signing, a player with a lot of potential. He plays out the back. That's what Guardiola likes. Is he just signing, though, to to fix the ills really they had last season? Or do you think they needed someone more experienced in there? No, I think John Stones is perfect. What, what Manchester City lacked at the back was someone with composure. Mm. They have the ball winners. They have the aggressive defender. The defender that will go and meet the ball. They didn't have the guy that's composed. They didn't have the guy that can pick the ball up and say, I'll do a Cruyff turn in my penalty area. I don't give a shit. You're, you've I've just done three attackers and now I'm going to play a forward pass. That's who they didn't have and that's who they've now got in John Stones. And I feel like Manchester City and Man United, it's going to, they're going to be wanted. I've gone with United top and uh, City second, but it could go either way. I feel that the reasons why... why, why is, yeah, because I was going to say, I feel like their business has been good. When I talk about Shrewd Times, I'm talking about Gundogan, Nelito. Yeah, okay, so go through the signings. Gundogan injured. Nelito, yeah, but adjusting to a new league, going from Spain to England is notoriously difficult. Leroy Sane, a player of such talent, injured. Well, I feel like they've added that. I, I feel, I feel that's like to the, the current problem. squad as well, which is better than Man United's. I feel the issue is that the, the signings that they've made in the key cogs in Leroy Sane, in Grundewan, they are two key players for Guardiola. And because they're injured, it just gives City like a false start in a way. Mm. Like United are going to be flying out the blocks. Like they've, they've heard the gun. City are going to be adjusting to this new style of football. Adjusting to Guardiola takes a little bit of time. You know, it took a bit of time Bayern Munich. It took a bit of time at um, Barcelona, notoriously. He didn't, I don't think he won for four games at Barcelona. Um, that can't happen in the Premier League this season. It's so competitive. But what City do have in strength, um, we know what Aguero can do. 
again, it's his fitness. And again, it's this Guardiola pushing players too hard. He can't do that with De Bruyne. He can't do that with Aguero. Because again, De Bruyne was so good when he played last season. Unbelievable. But he only played 25 games. And it's similar with Aguero, in and out, in and out, in and out. And it just means maybe it's something for Guardiola that he needs to evolve. And on his side, is it's understanding of, of injuries and, and potentially not pushing people too hard. The midfield, though, when it's, when it's going to be flying, potentially of Torre, De Bruyne and uh, Gundogan, it's going to be really good to watch. Or maybe even Fernandinho in there. Fernandinho is someone that Pep has already you know, made him his Pep. Pep mm-hmm. always does that, you know, Lam, Xavi, Busquets. Now it's uh, moved on to Fernandinho. I love that. I think Fernandinho is a wonderful footballer. Been played at centre-back a bit. But I don't imagine that's now going to be the case with John Stones in there. I think that was maybe a, a solution he was thinking about before actually going in and going, shit, let's spend £47 million on a, a world-class ball-playing centre-back. But Fernandinho is going to be crucial to Manchester City. Aguero is going to be... And I feel like Raheem Sterling I, and uh, Joe Hart, I agree with Lawrence. I feel those, those two players have what it takes to make it under Guardiola. Both a little bit cocky. Both have a little bit of arrogance. But arrogance in a good way where you bring the style of football playing out the back or whether Sterling does play in the middle or left, out, right, wherever, I feel like it's the right move for, well, not the, for the, you know, not the right move for their careers because they're already there, but it's the right move that Guardiola's come in for those types of players. Who have you got as champions, Lawrence? Uh, Spurs. Uh, I'll go... You know, I've got to agree with Dave, actually. I'll go with Manchester United. I think they're an incredibly strong side this season. Um... And yeah, I think Mourinho, it's that first season under Mourinho, isn't it? I think a lot of people are forgetting how good Mourinho and how revolutionary he felt in so many times. I think United are sort of feeling that same way. If they're not feeling that way, then we are all being suckered in by the intense advertising from Adidas on Twitter. It's intense. It's, I mean, it's more I'm than intense. I'm surprised. You yeah, it's like strange. Um, strange or amazing? Dave? Did you see the tweet they did today about how it was like, that someone tweeted them saying, oh, do you, you know, we all know who you're supporting in the Premier League this season, winky faces and like that. And they tweeted back saying, yeah, the Red Devils are only for us. They've, they've properly allied themselves with the brand of Manchester United. Again, in the business perspective, that is really interesting for me as a United fan because it kind of means that Adidas have put all their eggs in one basket. But well, they're very much my basket, well. which is quite they cool. very much have. And I think Adidas also don't really care that they're pissing anyone else off who supports an Adidas club in the Premier League. It's really strange, right? Do you not find that a little bit peculiar? Well, I mean, Chelsea are on their way out. Um, true, 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 true. someone else and I, mean, I think Adidas you know they, they'll turn their back very quickly um, it, it could come across as a little bit petty mm. um, and possibly short termist but I mean ultimately uh, first never follows Dave so maybe Adidas first, first never follows oh, uh, um, or something let's come on to your team Lawrence Liverpool oh, yeah. Jürgen Klopp's had his summer transfer window of course had a summer transfer window He's going to be looking to eradicate that inconsistency from last season. They've gotten rid of some players who were inconsistent. Are you hopeful? Are you thinking a top four challenge beckons? I think Liverpool do expect a top four challenge this season. I think the fans expect the same, but I think they're quiet on it because they, you know every season in recent years they've said the same. Uh, but I think they're quietly confident as a club because Klopp's a fantastic manager. Um, and you know he's, he's brought in a few players that you think would give Liverpool confidence. I think Carrius, before he broke his hand, um, was another goalkeeper that was maybe a slight um, improvement on Mignolet. 
I think in the back line, Liverpool have struggled to put a uh, centre-back pairing together considering the issues they've had with Sacco, Lovren. Matip is probably going to be the, the starting guy this weekend and maybe Lovren if he's fit and possibly um, Clavan, who also seems like a very solid signing for Liverpool. But Liverpool are still weak at left-back and I think that was a huge problem for them last season was people were attacking inside the flanks um, and Liverpool were very weak there. That's the reason Lucas hasn't been sold. Um, it's the reason that they've struggled... I think, um, to, to put together consistency. And Klopp's been tasked with you know, making uh, this Liverpool side consistent. And yet he's a manager who uh, thrives on the things which most people believe embody inconsistency uh, out on the pitch. And I think at the same time, uh, Liverpool fans are excited to see how consistently explosive this side can be. Uh, Mane, uh, Sturridge, Coutinho, Firmino... Uh, just those, just you name those four, and that's an exciting front line. Um, not not least because you know you've got Emery Chan, Grealish just behind that. Uh, you know the consistency of someone like Milner, probably. Although his passing needs to get better in order for that to happen, Liverpool have to improve in very um, in areas where I think Klopp uh, is going to really focus this season. And that's before we've even mentioned any of the youth and excitement around that. Liverpool fans have shifted from this success to the excitement of Klopp um, and I think it was very deflating last season when all that excitement went to the final but it showed the instant impact of Jurgen Klopp and that was the longest pre-season in many, in many people's eyes that any manager's ever had I've gone for sixth good um, God I'm afraid to say uh, Dave what are you predicting? Yeah yeah, I think it's, it's going to be shit for Liverpool I feel um, they'll, they'll put a good run together maybe at the end of the season but I feel like their balance will start maybe a little bit wrong you know Again, they've got some injuries in centre-back. It looks like it's going to be Clavin and Lovren to start the first game. But I think the signings of Sadio Mane, you know, forget the fee. I think fees are out the window. I think that's a good signing for them. I think he's a very explosive player. Someone that they uh, had trouble with beating Southampton because of Mane. And if they can get that Mane form, um, they'll give him another option. You know, you look at the likes of Firmino, Coutinho, Lallana. Yeah, it looks like they come to the ball a bit too much. Mane will come to the ball but then he'll drive and he'll go and he's a, he's a very different player a different proposition Coutinho needs to continue his improvement you know a player of, of great goals at the moment scores the bang scores it's, the it's, wonderful dribbles but he needs to maybe just score a few more he needs to uh, he's, I think it's his decision making he shoots a little bit too much from outside the area sometimes it may be worth playing a one-two sometimes it may be getting an assist you know it's that decision making but he's young and he's young a little bit inconsistent but I feel it could be his year to step up on the clock I think under, under Brennan Rodgers, a lot of people saw some big signings or signings that they thought that's a piece, that's a piece and that piece. And I think the issue um, with that was that a lot of people thought, ah, we've got all those pieces now. I think what Klopp looked at and assessed when he came in with his squad, and a lot of people sort of thought, oh, he, he, there's a lot of players that aren't of the Klopp ilk in this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he saw some gaps where he needed to add a couple of players and some quality players within there. The Emre Chans, I think he values Jordan Henderson in there as well. I also think what's interesting is in pre-season, he's dropped Lalana a little bit deeper and he's found some success with that. So I think it's about the adaptability of a lot of these players as well. And I think Klopp enjoys that adaptability. Um, we'll see how he plays on that because there's a lot of very exciting young players in there, not least Divock Origi. The big man. Um, have you got a prediction? I think, he, I think he could get 15 goals this season. I think yeah, they'll finish fourth, big. and I think I think I think there'll be some exciting goals. Um, we come on to a fascinating one now: the champions themselves, Leicester City. 
there was a lot of, there was a bit of doom and gloom. There's talk about the, the side being dismantled, but they've kept hold of Jamie Vardy, Dave. They've kept hold of Riyad Mahrez. They've told him he's not leaving in this window. Uh, yes, Kante's gone. Obviously a crucial uh, part of their title win season last year. But they've brought in uh, Mendy uh, to strengthen the midfield. They've also brought in Ahmed Musa, who's looked good uh, in pre-season up front. Now, uh, do you think they're going to be able to challenge for the top four? Or do you think it's accepted that, you know, the, the, with the strength of the league as it is now, with all these new managers coming in, with every team strengthening so much that they're going to struggle to, to get anywhere near what they achieved last season and it could well be a sort of mid-table finish for them. Yeah, I think it will be. I think that last season was an anomaly but it was a great anomaly. It was an anomaly we all enjoyed. Um, seeing a team work so hard and win the league was brilliant. Brilliant for everybody. Not, not just like football fans. You saw people on your Facebook feed that didn't give a shit about football two months ago. They were like, oh, Leicester City, great buzz. But now it's time for Leicester City to potentially Solidate, consolidate what they've got there in the Champions League that's massive that's so cool I think they'll do well in the Champions League I think they'll I think even push for the quarters because they, they play that style of football that's gritty that's, that's done well in the Champions League in recent seasons you look at Atletico Madrid how well they've done Leicester City is a different style of counter-attacking but it's very similar to that Ahmed Moussa is a fantastic sign I'm a massive fan of yeah. Ahmed Moussa strange that no other club went for him um, but Leicester City got their man and a fantastic bit of business again it's integrating him into the side, where does he fit in? Where, which, you know, how do you fit him into the system? Potentially looking to go for a 4-3-3 could be the answer for them then. You've got Mares, you've got um, Moussa on one side, and Jamie Vardy through the middle. That could be a good option because that, that would also accommodate Mendy, who played at the base of uh, Nice's midfield diamond last season, um, completed the second most passes um, in Liga last season behind Thiago Motta with, with a 92% pass accuracy. So he's, he'll be the key cog in there, but I feel like he's got to be at the base of the midfield three. So you want to throw Danny Drinkwater in there, then maybe someone like Andy King, or they could look for another central midfielder to put in there. But I feel like Leicester City, to continue this great run, to continue this momentum, need to switch it up tactically a little bit. I feel like teams will start to find them out. We saw in there community shield that they did come back but I wasn't too impressed with um, their midfield two and Andy King and Danny Drinkwater mm. didn't complement each other didn't really work out so I feel like switching to a midfield three could get the best out of Jamie Vardy we'll put Mares further up the pitch and um, will be a different proposition and Ahmed Moussa is so good on the counter attack so if they can get Moussa Vardy and Mares linking together that's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be interesting for... to see how wide they are as well, how, how much width that team goes for and how blatantly they go for width. I think it's fascinating. I've gone for eighth. What are you saying, Dave? Um, yeah, I've gone ninth, I think. Let me just double check. Yeah, I've got ninth position. I feel like Champions League's going to be where Leicester City have their party. Ooh, okay. Hull City next. Um, just turning up, not really there for the football. Literally just <sighs> making up the numbers at this point. You feel, feel so sorry feel... for Hull. Bad for the fans, yeah. I mean, they they basically need new owners <laughs> desperately. Um, and you feel for in it, but as it stands, without a manager, um, I think they're going into the season with thirteen fit senior players. Has anyone not got them at the bottom of their <laughs> bottom of their table prediction? Not really, no. No, no. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tigers. Yeah, you're out of here. Yeah, it's sad because it's it's uh, they're they're looking to sell, but they they're not going to sell in time. And the fact is, you can't sell a club that looks like that. And really, they've gone. You know, when you want to sell a house, you put the smell of baked bread around it. Um, that this is this squad 
does not smell of baked bread. It, yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, Mohamed Jami has <laughs> gone to Newcastle. Uh, <laughs> one of their best players, has to be said. And they've only brought in Will Mannion from AFC Wimbledon. I mean, Steve Bruce leaving the court. If, if Steve Bruce was still there, you'd think, oh, you know, maybe he can uh, guide them to safety, essentially. Get them away, or at least another season in the league. But without him, without any manager at all, and talk of Zola coming in, I believe is the... Is the oh, winner. Jesus. You, you don't hold much hope for them, do you, Dave? I don't think so. I think, yeah, if there's an issue. There's not been any signings. They've lost their manager who has done very well with them. Steve Bruce did a fantastic job at whole a yo-yo club, but he did very well at yo-yoing. Um, it's just a shame that he's left. Obviously, there's big discontent around him. He had 12 first-team players when he, when he sacked it off. And what are you supposed to do? Like, your reputation's on the line here and your, your board's not done anything that's apparently got investment. And it's just really sad for whole fans. I feel sorry for them, but I can't see it. Maybe, you know, a bit of fight with Jake Livermore and Tom Huddleston, but... What, what else have you got there? You've not got a lot. You've got players that have already failed the Premier League and that's the thing, you know, that they did get relegated, they did come straight back up but it was the same squad that got relegated and they haven't changed that. They've actually lost some of those players so it's, just, it's not looking good for them at all. Bottom of the table then for Hull. I think we're all predicting. Uh, let's move on to Everton. Now, not good enough last season. Roberto Martinez has gone, got himself a job as the Belgian manager. Ronald Koeman coming in after a very strong season with Isn't Southampton. Isn't that ridiculous, by the way? What, he's Belgian manager? You saw what I did at Everton? <laughs> <laughs> I got this, guys. You know your problem with your defenders. I could sort that right out. Is, yeah. I mean, I know John Stones is gone, but they got a lot of money for that. They bought in Ashley Williams, an experienced centre-back. Um, the new owners means that they're, you know, potentially they could bring in a few more signings before the window closes. We have to see if Lukaku does indeed go, but it looks like at the moment he's going to stay. Drissa Gay is a good signing from Aston Villa. The signing of Ronald Koeman in, in itself is very is a statement of intent in many ways. Steve Walsh coming in from Leicester. I mean, things are looking up for Everton. Do you think that's going to translate Lawrence into them finishing higher up the table than they did last season? Uh, last year at 11th. You expect them to finish in the top half and push you know, for a, for a Europa League place. So I've just eaten a Barocca. Ooh. Um, no, and I mean eaten. I put one of the tablets in my mouth. Um, Lawrence, mate, are you all right? You, yeah, fine. You were talking about bread and then you ate a Barocca. Are you a bit hungry, pal? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, you know what, Dave? Uh, I feel like Everton are as hungry as I am. Uh, <laughs> they've been waiting for this for quite some time to be bought and then to have a manager in that not only do they respect but other people respect. It's a hark back to the old Everton days, the days of you know, the, the, the team of science, I think, um, and, and logic that a lot of people uh, lord. And it's incredibly exciting, I think, for Everton to have that side now. So let's see what they can do under Koeman. They're going to be quite defensive um, with some really exciting attackers in that formation. So I think it's how creative those attackers can be and how much freedom Koeman gives them. We've seen what he did at Southampton. It's whether he can mimic that, sort of take that a step further at Everton. And I think with the talent that they've got up front, it's going to be really exciting uh, to watch the seven team, especially against some of the top four sides. When I think Kuman's going to relish sort of taking a scalps. I've gone for ninth. Two bases better than last season. Dave, what are you saying? Um, yeah, I've, I've gone for I've gone for eighth actually. Um, I feel like I'm going to drop just behind Southampton, Ronald Kuman's old club. Um, Nick Koeman's an interesting manager who like, before he, he has failed in world football before Benfica Valencia failed so Hampton, the system really helped him and it's the test now this is the test now this is the big test Everton where the system isn't as good in support for him 
can he cut the mustard? I think it will be interesting with Everton is their wide forwards will score more goals. We saw, we, we saw with Southampton that that's one way that they scored a lot of their goals, those inside runs. So you're looking at the players like uh, Delefeu, uh, maybe uh, Morales, maybe Ross Barkley playing in a wide position. Um, we'll, we'll get the goals for them. Uh, so it's really it, fascinating to see what Barkley does this season, isn't it? Yeah, again, a player that started very well and dropped off, but Koeman does pretty well with those types of players. You know, you say to Mane, is, uh, you, your ball playing central midfielders that like to move and attack on, let's say. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But again, he's going to have to fit his midfield. Is James McArthur going to hold? Is he going to play Gareth Barry? At the back, he signed Ashley Williams. Adrissi Gaian will probably come in and play. I'm a massive fan of him. Great at winning the ball back. Only um, Ngula Conte uh, was better than him at that last season in terms of interceptions and tackles one in the Premier League. Um, they've still got the likes of Leighton Bain, Seamus Coleman. So, they do have the right sort of squad, but then it's, it's a test. It's a big test for Ronald Koeman, and it's going to be fascinating to see whether he fails or passes. Crystal Palace, guys. Last season finished 15th, um, dropped pretty dramatically in the second half of the season under Pardew, but they've made some good signings, Lawrence, in those key areas. Steve Mandanda coming in from Marseille on a free transfer. <coughs> a good signing, of course. A, a really- I like Mandanda, no? Yeah, he's a decent keeper, but he's not. He'll struggle in the Premier League. He's, he's not a Premier League goalkeeper. You need Premier League goalkeepers, right? They need to command their area. They need to be really confident. They need to be able to be good at holding the ball. Mandanda's just like a he's a fun reaction type goalkeeper. He'll he'll make loads of really good saves, but good the mistakes will be there. The fuck ups will be there. So it, it, it's it's than, uh, Wayne Hennessy was it? They had yeah, Wayne Hennessy was very good last season in spells. Again, made a few. Stinky mistakes, you know, if you remember the Jermaine Defoe one, came off his line, kicked the ball straight at Jermaine Defoe. Maybe they can see the goal. What about James Tompkins then? What about Andros Townsend? Are these sort of signs going to help them improve? What happened to Andros Townsend last season? Got relegated. James Um, Tompkins. This is the thing. It's like West West Brom versus uh, Palace, isn't it? The sort of teams that are on that that cusp of nearly, uh, nearly dropping down. And for me... I've got a big, big feeling that it's going to be Crystal Palace who are going to fall. I don't think they've got what? the calibre. I don't think they've, no. they've got enough quality to stay up in the Premier League. Dave, I've gone for 12th. What are you going for? <laughs> Dave? I've got them 18th, mate. They're down. <laughs> well, that's the biggest difference so far, I think. I'm, you, think I'm, the, you think the wheels are just going to fall off and pass? He talks a big game. He does but you can't back it up is what you're saying. That is kind of what I'm saying. You know, he talks today when he came out and said, we're going to play like Barcelona. But did you watch Crystal Palace last season? They were so far away from Barcelona. Yeah, but you're not going to. So let's let's get the stats out. Let's not let's not mess about here. Let's pretend that we're talking about. But if you look at the stats in terms of from the 26th of December last season to the end of the season, they picked up two wins. That was one nil against Norwich and two one against Stoke. They're in really bad form. They've not changed enough. So in that time, they got uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight draws. But in that same time, the defeats were coming. There's nine, 11, 12 defeats in that period. They were in terrible, terrible form. They didn't win in about... Crazy. I just feel like, with parts, the party ends. That dance in the FA Cup final cost him. That was quite something, wasn't it? You know what? Um, yeah, I'm not against that. I just, I, I just sort of think... Uh, Pardew, and I said this last season, he's a manager who ignites egos. And if he can get this team of egos together, they'll have some good results. But it plays out the same every season with Pardew. People like, Pardew won't do it, Pardew won't do it. Early on in the season, 
you'll have a team of people who are very highly motivated, very driven, and you know they'll get some really good results. Like you've said, Steve Mandanda will keep an, an Arsenal or a Liverpool or a Man City out for an entire and everyone will go, what a goalkeeper, look what he's bought out of them. But then the week after, there'll be something terrible that happens yep. because Pardew can't quite, can't quite find the, you know, the ego of whichever player it is that he's trying to... Um, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised by this, Dave. I am surprised by this. I've got to say. Well, I feel they're going to be safe. Like... I know Balassi could well be on his way to, to Everton, which would be a blow. But if they do get Benteke, if they get someone who can get them in regular goals, I think they'll be they'll be fine. They'll be away from that relegation zone. I've gone for 12th. Fair enough. You've gone for 18th. Let's move on. Got to be goals. I've got to alienate. I like your style. I like your style. Um, let's go for Chelsea. Obviously, Conte making a big impression at the Euros. High hopes for Chelsea fans. They've signed N'Golo Conte, one of the best players last season. Question marks over Bashuai, of course, and, and some of the other underachieving players from last season. Is Conte, is the hammer, as he's called in Italy, is he going to come in and revitalise the squad, Lawrence? Is he going to get them into the top four, which is what many Chelsea fans are hoping and predicting? Uh, it'll either be a, res- a resurgent uh, run into the top four, or it'll be a resurgent run towards the top four, followed by a massive explosion. <laughs> you just feel like it could go either way this one, don't you? One or the other. Uh, yeah, because you don't know. I mean, Conte is literally shouting on the f- sideline, I will fucking kill you. Um, <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd make that tackle if someone was threatening oh, you, Lawrence. Dear. I mean, you would, Dave, but at the <laughs> you'd end... You'd have to, right? Or well, you're dead. In, yeah, but in the end, I think uh, the issue with Conte is that he's also... He's so intense on the players. It is so intense on them for an entire season. Um, I think some players really enjoy that. But I don't know if he's had enough time to bring in all the players that he needs for that and whether whether he has players who are going to go to war with him or whether he just has players who are kind of going to walk there and then go, not so sure this is my sort of thing. Um, uh, You know, for a short time, you know, it's the same with kind of a strict teacher at school. You know, for a short time, you're sort of like, okay, I think I can do this. If you've got them for an entire term, it breaks you a little bit because every day you go back, you go back. He's either going to galvanize this side in a way that Mourinho did but also didn't. I think that's also a real issue for Conte. This is an ex-Mourinho side. Um, and we know how volatile ex-Mourinho teams can be, how not loyal but sort of uh, used to certain ways. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see uh, whether Conte's uh, not only his tactics, I think his tactic, and most people think his tactics are sound. I think it's the psychology of Conte that's going to be testing. I'm going to go. I've got down fifth here. I think they'll challenge, Ooh. but I think fifth place. I think they're going to be much improved than last season. Not hard, of course. Uh, Dave, what are you saying? Um, so I think Lawrence made some solid points about Conte about how it's going to take a bit of time it could go it could really go the way you know the best manager to have post Mourinho is Carlo Ancelotti because he calms everyone down Conte's basically like another Mourinho but in a very different way psychologically you know it's, it's screaming at you it's getting you pumped it's not turning it's not making you believe you're the best it's screaming you screaming at you until you are the best but the, the, there's questions over Conte's midfield there's questions in the Conte signing I love the Conte signing I think Conte's a brilliant player but he's, he's a player that suits to my midfield Conte from, from the start has been playing a three-man midfield. Wait, Conte or Kante? Sorry, Kante. Yeah. Conte, Kante. Sorry. I'm, yeah, so Kante suits uh, a three-man, uh, suits a two-man midfield. has been playing as a three-man midfield. There's also questions about he's been playing uh, four at the back. You know, if I was Conte, I'd be like three at the back straight away. The issue with that is I was picking the Chelsea team today. So you've got Courtois in goal if you're going to play 3-5-2. Yeah, your right centre-back would be Kurt Zuma. Middle centre-back would be John Terry. 
Great. left centre back. There's nobody there, and that's the issue. You go into midfield, it works in an absolute charm. Matic is holding, he's going to run the show for me. Um, Kante is going to be the right central midfielder, let's say. William with the left central midfielder. On the left wing back, you're going to go Aspil Equator. Right wing back, Quadrado. Then you play Azard off Diego Costa. That's a team and a half, right? But the issue is that left centre back slot, but they're not doing that. And um, Conte's moved away from the 3 5 2. I, I don't know why. He fell onto the 3 5 2 at Juventus because he realised he had three really good midfielders. Chelsea have midfielders that suit. Three-man midfield bar Kante, I'd say. Cesc Fabregas doesn't fit uh, a Conte system, just doesn't fit at all. And that's why I put William ahead of him in there, um, playing like a you know attacking midfield role or central midfield. But if I were him, I'd sell Fabregas straight away and I'd look to get a left centre-back. Switch to three-five-two, and I think Chelsea will kick on there. I just feel like this four-four-two, this four-three-three that he's been t- trying hasn't really kicked off in pre-season. So, and I think putting Hazard behind a strike is perfect. So that's why the three-five-two for me works. Just not doing it at the moment. Why has he not signed Jacarini yet as well? Yes, why indeed? Um, they are. They're looking for. Is it Koulibaly from um, Napoli? Koulibaly, yeah, a very, very good defender. But we've been playing in a mostly been playing in a back two uh, for well, you know, flat four for a while. So. I, I think with the three-five-two in those wide centre-back positions, I think Zuma can do it because Zuma can play right-back. But you need a player in those two positions that's comfortable at playing uh, left-back and left-centre-back in a way. You know, you look at uh, Chiellini does that. Barzagli is, was a right-back at the start of his career, moved to centre-back. That's what you kind of need. You need a, a player like Samuel Mtiti. You know, the perfect player for Chelsea in a way. Yeah. Have John Terry, um, Zuma and Mtiti. But unfortunately, Mtiti now plays for... One of the biggest teams in the world, so they're going to have to look elsewhere. But I think a three-five-two is optimum for Chelsea. What position did you have, Dave? I've got Chelsea in fourth. It was a flip-up between. I didn't know what to do with Spurs, Liverpool, and Chelsea. So I've gone Chelsea, Spurs, Liverpool. But that very much well could be Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool, or Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea. You know, I, this is the thing with that with that part of the league. It's very difficult. Fair dues, fair dues. Um, Burnley. I've gone for nineteenth. Snap. Yes, we oh. finally agreed on one. We got a, why why do you back. snap on this one? What's your reason? Uh, again, they've come up with a, a team that's pretty much it's the same team that came up last time with a few different players. You know, Andre Gray's a very good player, um, but he has questions at this higher level. Go back to the five games last season, they played the top championship clubs and Premier League club in the League Cup, I think it was. Five games, zero goals. I, I hope he they may struggle. I hope they can avoid relegation. I love uh, Sean Dyke, I think he does a, a brilliant job there. But yeah, I think, like Dave's saying, there's question marks over the squad. They've struggled in the in the transfer market as well to attract players. So, you know, I, I just can't see them finishing outside of relegation zone. Can you, Lawrence? I think it's tricky. Um, the Premier, you know, we, we spoke about uh, how Arsene Wenger 20 years ago, 25, almost 30 years ago now, changed the Premier League. Um and I think it's, it'll take another iteration now with, um, with Pep Guardiola coming in. And I think it's really been moving in that direction anyway. We're going to see a lot of pressing. We're going to see something I think some other teams might uh, struggle to keep up with. And I think that's the issue maybe for Burnley here is they're going to struggle to keep up with the other sides. Um, it, that's no disrespect to them as a side. I just yeah. think it's maybe, it's maybe too early for Burnley to come up um, and not be able to spend some money to be able to keep up with everyone else. The problem for them is maybe that other people have spent to get even further ahead. Um, it, 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 the only way that I think Burnley will stay up 
is if there are other sides within that who crumble, essentially Burnley then claw their way to get up to those guys, which is very similar to maybe what um, Sunderland did last season. Maybe Newcastle were looking to do as well with uh, a squad that really uh, looked like it should have gone down anyway. 19th years then for Burnley. Um, Sad. Bournemouth. Excitement. Yeah, these brilliant. Eddie Howe, signings, money, investment. Still have a small stadium, though, guys. You got a slightly overpriced uh, Jordan Hype, arguably. Uh, No, it's Uh, a reasonably priced Jordan (laughs) Hype. Reasonably priced. uh, Reasonably Jordan Hype will will look fantastic. There's Lewis Cook there, obviously, Mm. uh, who some other people are uh, saying is going to be one of the young players, one of the players of the season. Sorry, um, I think Jordan Ard's going to be incredibly exciting. I can't wait to see him pair up with the strikers there. Uh, it'd be great to see Wilson back. I think it'd be really exciting. Um, you know, Eddie, Eddie Howe is continuing the project there, and I think he's analysed and um, thought on the Premier League. He's had the right amount of time away, as is his team. And now they're coming back. They're looking very exciting. Jordan Ard is the centre yeah. of that. I think uh, they'll, they'll be able to improve on last season as well. They finished uh, 16th. I've gone for 14th for their finish uh, this year. I like him. I, uh, everyone loves Eddie Howe. Everyone likes what they're putting together there. They've got some decent signings, as we said. Dave, what are you saying? Um, fortunately, no. all the fans, I don't think they're going to do as well as they did last season. I feel like it's going to be a season syndrome for them. Um, I've, in fact, got them at 17. I think they're just going to survive relegation. So, yeah, they've made some, some half-decent signings, but I just feel it, it's just, it kind of feels like they fit into the category that did well the first time. It's going to be a different battle this time, similar to Watford. It's going to be a tough slog, but I reckon they'll stay up. That is the that is the problem with them, isn't it? Is is there you know it's either going to be a really well gal- galvanized young side, um, and I, you know I think that even the BT highlights that we see on YouTube at the moment show some where them where they're saying you know this was a historic win for Bournemouth. I think we need to put it into that perspective that this is still a relatively small side that are taking baby steps, and Eddie Howe's fantastic at that. Um, you know. It, <sighs> The problem is there's a lot of goodwill towards them and sometimes that can skew how you see them as a side. So let's see if that goodwill uh, translates onto the pitch. Finally, we come to the only natural ending point for a Premier League preview. It's Arsenal, guys. Last season, of course, second to Leicester. It's a hard, another hard one to work out, Dave. Granit Xhaka's has come in, £35 million. He, does, has, he adds something in midfield for them. Um, not necessarily the defensive midfielder that the fans are crying out for. Again, they're also crying out for that striker, that 20-goal-a-season striker to back up Giroud or maybe even start ahead of Giroud. The final year of Arsene Wenger's contract, I was expecting him to bring out the checkbook to buy those big players, uh, you know, despite uh, all the, the evidence pointing the other, uh, other direction. Do you think, again, as always, they're going to finish in the top four or do you think with the quality of the league, they're going to struggle this season? No, I think, I think Arsenal are the team that everyone's been like, oh, I like Arsenal, they've not made any signings. But Arsenal came, uh, was it third last season? Second last season. Second, yeah. But... Second last season. They did implode themselves. They did an Arsenal. But I feel like they're the team that people are going to be like, oh, it's just Arsenal. And they're going to be the ones that are going to be abrasive. They're going to want something. They want to fight. You know, people are underrated now. People are like, oh, Arsenal, they're nothing. They're not going to even get in the top four. I feel like it's good for this current crop of Arsenal players. They have something to prove. And I also feel like they've kind of got the strike already there. I've said it thousands of times. Maybe Arsene needs to start listening to the front three and maybe he can sort his tactics out. But Alexis Sanchez yeah. could be the guy that can score It's not going to happen, though, is it? You look at Olivier Giroud at the European Championships. Look, played with such confidence. 
such flair. Those one-touch passes, bringing people into play. Why? Because he was next to someone that could take the pressure off. Because he was next to a goal scorer. Because he was next to one of the best number 10s in world football, Antoine Griezmann. Not a traditional number 10, but a goal scoring number 10. That's what Sanchez could do behind Giroud. Or even play Sanchez with Ramsey behind him if they want to you know, stick another midfield there in the bigger games. But I feel that Giroud and Sanchez could be a great partnership to, with Mezit behind. That's a really good front three. A front three that tactically would be a little bit different um, than what we what used to ask them in the Premier League. No, a midfield diamond I'd go with. Um, Zaka at the base, Cazorla, Ramsey either side, Mezit at the, the peak of it. You know, where's the width going to come from, you ask? Oh, that's not a problem there. Because Arsenal, for me, had the two best fullbacks in the league last season. Monreal at left-back, Bellerin at right-back. Look at Bellerin's stats. He's coming on as a footballer. Why he's getting linked to Barcelona? Because he's really improving. No defender registered more assists than Bellerin in the Premier League last season. But also, he dribbled past more, of the, more players than any of the Premier League defenders. So he's really giving them some, something on that right-hand side. So I feel if they do switch to this narrow system, but also Sanchez can drift left-right, whatever the hell he wants. Bellerin and Monreal will give them their width higher up the pitch. And I feel that could be a system that would catch out the likes of Manchester City, catch out Manchester United, and ultimately get Arsenal to third in the Premier League. Third? I've gone for fourth. Lawrence, what are you saying? I think Arsenal finish just ahead of the likes of Liverpool mm. and uh, Chelsea. Because I think it's that consistency yeah. that I think they'll find. It's all the, the huge centre-back issue with them, isn't it? Mm. Uh, can they fix that issue? Mustafi uh, looks like he's on the way, yeah. Yeah, but I, not just one, is it? It's about um, having more rotation of centre-backs. You, you know, I, I mean, ideally you'd have four people. Uh, it's an option at centre-back, right? Yeah, what, Gabriel, Koscielny, uh, Mertzsacker and Mustafi. And how, and how many of those are fit? Uh, none of them, <laughs> probably. Mustafi starting in as part of a back three then? Yeah, oh, God, I don't know. I just... It's going to be interesting in the first week. I think you know when they when they get when when they get it together, that'll be fantastic. But they've got to wait again. Arsenal are waiting on yet more injuries. Mm. Um, just gonna, I just feel it's going to be the same as always. I'm looking forward to seeing Xhaka. I think Xhaka's a good signing, but I, you know you know what happened. They'll the fans will be furious by Christmas. They never sign that striker that the it feels like they've been desperate for for so long. They'll have an implosion, uh, as Dave Sainz did last year, and they'll finish in the top four. Fourth, probably, and uh, we'll see if Wenger stays on next season. See, yeah, I think they'll have if. some early bad uh, results, and yeah. then I think they'll be, and then I think it'll go. Um, oh, we've signed someone; they'll get someone, and then um, after that, then what? Just as a little note on Mustafi, go on, the Mustafi Kashani relationship would be absolutely perfect. You know, a very, very good little partnership that would be, and that again is one of the reasons why you know you're looking at third position for me is because that. That's it. That's the missing part for me. I feel like they've got that goal scorer still in their squad, but it just needs that centre-back to partner. Because, yeah, I, mean, I feel they've sorted the defence in the field out. Zeka is a horrible bastard. Like, he actually is. He puts in some dirty tackles, like proper leg breakers. But that's what Arsenal need. They need a bit of grit, a bit of, good, a bit of determination. Um, so I just feel they've got it with Mustafi coming in. feel like kind of like the right thing for Arsenal. And, uh, and again, I'd, I'd love to see Arsenal win the Premier League. Just because of, you know, if it's not United, I'd quite like Arsenal. Because then you'll be like, hey, foreign managers, this is my town. Jeez. Um, uh, I just can't see that, mate. Can't see that, mate, I'm afraid to say. That is our whopper Premier League prediction, guys. All 20 teams previewed. We've given our predictions. Do let us know on Twitter what you think at the front three with the number, not the word. Who do you think are going to be champions? Who's finishing in the top four? Who's getting relegated? Um, apart from the whole city. 
of course. For now, though, we're going to be back on Sunday, I believe, as always, the, the regular programming Sundays and Wednesdays. We'll be back. Talk about all the weekend's action, which should be super exciting. Well, one, thing we, one thing we can ask is that uh, over the next few weeks, we're moving podcast provider. Yes. Uh, so we're, we're moving to, we're moving to a, a, another cool place. Very little will change, don't worry. Um, but uh, if you guys do happen to get unsubscribed, just you can find us again on iTunes. It shouldn't happen. We are sure. It, should, it probably won't happen. Yeah, should, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, just follow us. You know, yeah, just follow us on Twitter. That's the easiest way to do it. For now, Lawrence, um, pleasure as always. Where can pleasure. good people find you until Sunday? I'll see you over the weekend on uh, Lost Cast. C-A-S-T and at the front three. Beautiful. Dave? Um, what should we do this time? Twitter, Facebook? Just Twitter, Dave. Come on. Oh, let's do YouTube. Dave talks. Oh. Find it, love it, comment on it. Do Good. that. Uh, guys, come over to the Football Republic on YouTube to check us all out. Lots of preview stuff uh, going out over the weekend. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. So I hope you enjoyed that. For now, though, we'll see you next time on The Front 